Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. Today, I am your host, Matthew Gould, and I am joined by our wonderful team member, Diana Chen. Diana, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. It feels strange to be on the other side. You're sounding great. You're, you sound like a natural. Well, I have learned from the master. And today we're in for a special treat because, believe it or not, Diana Chen is one of the hardest people to interview on a podcast because she refuses to interview on other people's podcasts. She only likes to interview people on her podcast. So she loves being the host. And so we're flipping the tables today. We've got some questions coming in from Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for submitting those. And we'll make sure we get through those. And today's really going to be focused on Diana's journey in, in crypto, like start to finish, how she got here and where she's going. And we're very excited for everything she's doing. So without further ado, I don't want to bury the lead. So we've got some big news here. Diana, this is actually your your last episode at Unstoppable Domains. I would love for you to tell people where you're going and, and then we'll talk about that a little bit more. So I'll just pass it over to you and I'd love to hear about your next step. This is a very bittersweet episode. I've just wrapped up 100 episodes of the podcast and this is our bonus episode 101. I am going to be leaving Unstoppable to work at Rabbit Hole very shortly. I'll be doing, you know, very similar things there, running their content for them. And I'm super excited to be part of the rabbit hole team because I'm already friends with most of the people there, first of all. And also they're trying to run their content and, and their entire rabbit hole ecosystem as a DAO, which I'm super excited about. So really excited with the Pathfinder program that's already up and going. If you're a content creator of any kind, a writer, or even an artist, there's an NFT program as well. Check out the Pathfinders program and you can contribute and get paid and all of this cool stuff. But really excited to just think more about how to build out this like content engine or a media company in the style of a DAO. And that's what I'm gonna be working on at Rabbit Hole. So I'm really excited, but also it feels very bittersweet to be leaving Unstoppable after nearly a year and a hundred podcast episodes and so much more other content as well. And I think it's appropriate that this is the 101 podcast, right? Because this is also going to be the story of a new person's journey in crypto from start all the way through to becoming an expert in essentially 10 months, which is really kind of incredible. Another important note here, we are now hiring podcasters, right? At Unstoppable Domains, and we're actually expanding this team. And this is one of the things that we talked about, Diana, as she was looking for next steps here. We wanted to take this team to be two, three, four people and really build out a different type of organization here. And so this is a great time to do this transition. So if you are interested in becoming a podcaster, please apply. There will be a link in the show notes here. We've already had maybe 30 plus applications just since we posted the link on our website. If you want to be in front of the camera or behind the mic and you have a viewpoint that you're interested in going down and exploring about crypto, please apply. And like, we just ask for you to be crypto curious and be able to learn fast. Like Diana came in here from basically zero, which we'll get to in just a second, to being an expert in 10 months. And I like to say everyone on the planet is going to be using crypto in 10 years. So you might as well start learning today at Unstoppable Domain. So we'd love to have you. 
without further ado, that was the pitch. I'm looking forward to those podcaster applications. Diana, you started out a complete newbie in blockchain. So here we are 10 months later. We'll just go right for it. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah, a thousand percent worth it. Yeah. So for those of you who haven't heard my story of how I got into blockchain or crypto and Web3, it really was like pretty serendipitous. It kind of landed in my lap, like all the right things happen at the right time. So about a year ago, Matt found my old podcast. I was podcasting about just startups in general. I don't even know how you found the podcast. Do you remember, Matt? I was looking at startup podcasters, to be perfectly honest. Okay, there you go. Startup podcasters. He found my startup podcast and then found the content marketing agency that I was working at at the time and hired us to help him start a podcast for Unstoppable Domains, which is now the Unstoppable podcast that you've all been listening to. So it it really was all by chance. Before this, I didn't really know anything about blockchain or crypto. I had bought some Bitcoin back in 2017 when everybody else did. And I sold one week later. I still have the receipts for that. It's very sad to look at. But other than that, I had no exposure to crypto whatsoever. But once I started talking to Matt and understanding what Unstoppable Domains is and what Web3 is and all of this stuff, I was immediately hooked. The angle that really hooked me was from envisioning what Web3 would look like for content creators. My background, which is pretty crazy, I started my career as a lawyer, and then I did a real life rage quit of the law and decided to go travel the world. I was like 26 at the time, figured, you know, I have no other responsibilities in life right now besides just myself. So when better to quit everything and go travel the world than now. So that's what I did. Once I started doing that, I I had no plan B. I figured I'd probably just travel till the money ran out and then go back to Chicago and be a lawyer again. That was what I guessed would happen. But once I started traveling, I just like caught the bug. I was like, I can't see myself sitting in an office for the rest of my life. That's just not what I'm made to do. So I became a travel blogger and tried to monetize my content and make money that way so that I could keep traveling. It was very difficult as anybody who has tried being a content creator in the Web2 space knows. It's very difficult to monetize your content in the traditional space. And then when I learned about Web3 decentralization, all of this stuff from Matt, and how content creators could really own all of the content they create instead of giving it to these centralized platforms like Instagram or WordPress or any of that. They could own their content. They could own their data from their followers. That really caught my attention. And that's really like the the initial thing that hooked me and caused me to go down the rabbit hole and research and learn a lot more. So these opportunities happen probably once a decade if you're in a position where you are unhappy, like you want to rage quit and rage quitting completely okay. If you're unhappy somewhere, then sometimes that happens and you're looking to make a shift. You know, these new industries emerge, especially in technology where there's just a lot of opportunity here and everyone is just looking to bring more people into the space, like desperate for hiring. And crypto is that sector right now. So for people out there where you're like, I'm not really happy with exactly what I'm doing now, I kind of want to switch industries. I would say that crypto is a great industry to switch into because it's growing 60 to 100% a year. So you'll get a much softer landing in crypto than if you wanted to switch to be like a neurosurgeon, like that's going to take that's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to be quite an uphill battle. So for those scared of changing their career, I would just say, don't be. And Dinah, what's your experience? Like, how does crypto compare to being a lawyer? And then are you happy you took the jump? And would you say you're much better off now than you were maybe 10 months ago, just in your personal life, career-wise, everything? Do you feel like you're in a better place for having been crypto-pilled? 
Yes, 100% in a better place from being crypto pilled. It was scary to me, but it also wasn't the first time I had done like a total 180 on my career. You know, like I went from lawyer to travel blogger. So that was kind of already a 180. And then from travel blogger to whatever other things. So I, I was pretty flexible, but like definitely still a little scary just because like I didn't know anything about crypto. Crypto had a bad rep. And, you know, in the past, some people still think it's the dark web. And so like as a normie coming into the space, it was definitely slightly scary to make that switch in a crypto and just commit my career to being in crypto when I didn't really know that much about it yet. But the little I did know about crypto at the time, like I just sense that this is the future, like we're building the future of the web. It's like getting into the internet back in the 90s. You're building out the future. It's really new. People don't understand it at the time. But it's super exciting for me to like be in at the early stages of a new technology and not just the new technology, but really like the way that we're all going to live in the future. And I think you hit on a good point there. Like it's still very early in the industry and it's still growing very fast. There are no crypto companies with a million employees yet. You know, Amazon's got like 2 million people or something. It's going to get significantly bigger. You're also just going to have a lot of career opportunities. So it's pretty de-risked as a space. Also, I'll just put a plug for Unstoppable. We're a pretty normal company, all things considered. We are working on this crazy technology, but we really are focused on making this mainstream for everyday people. And we take that into our hiring as well. We're very open about hiring people who are just interested in learning, want to learn, come here and pick up things quickly. So don't feel like, oh, I don't know enough about crypto. If you can navigate a web browser and read, we will get you there. And Diana is living proof. So I have a couple questions for you about telling your friends and family. It feels like, you know, when you tell people you work in crypto, they just have so many questions for you. And at this point, when people ask me what I do, I just say, oh yeah, I'm a software developer because I really just do not want to get into crypto because it takes forever. That's my experience. So what's it like now in 2021? Because I'm sure it's a little bit different now than it was in 2017. You know, who's your funniest crypto denier like, like in your life, if you're willing to share? Like who's the person who's like, oh, crypto is just never going to work. It's a fantasy, blah, blah, blah. And then the, on the other side of that, I want to know who's the person that's now really into crypto a lot more than you would have expected. Yeah, I'm honestly kind of like you. Like if I go to a party and I meet some new people and they ask me like, what do I do for work? I just say I work at a tech startup. That feels a lot easier than going into what I actually do. And then sometimes those people will dig a little deeper and figure out what it is. I've really had a very wide range of reactions when I tell people what I do. One of my good friends from Chicago when I first started, she's like, oh, crypto, is that like the dark web? She wasn't even saying that in like a judgy way. She was just like, ooh, you're doing like secret underground stuff. I was like, no, it's really not like that. In terms of crypto deniers or getting people crypto pilled, there hasn't been anybody I've talked to who's been like a really staunch crypto denier. I'd say probably like talked about crypto the most with my husband, just because that's who I talk to the most. And he's definitely given me a lot of pushback, which has been good for my thinking and how to explain these concepts to somebody who's not in the crypto space. You know, I've been working here in crypto full time for 10 months. It's taken 10 months. He finally got a MetaMask wallet, got on rabbit hole, started doing some quests. I transferred one of my NFTs to his wallet so you can see it on OpenSea now. All of this just happened within the last month. So it has taken some time. And that's your husband. They live with you. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is like a constant thing. So it can definitely take some time. But I, I will also say my husband is somebody who tends to be very 
skeptical of things and he doesn't jump into things very easily. So if he, I can get him crypto pilled, I feel pretty confident that I can get most people crypto pilled uh, if you just give me enough time. But yeah, I really think it just takes a lot of patience. I also think that you really need to approach people from where they're coming from. So if I'm talking to a developer about crypto versus if I'm talking to a psychologist about crypto versus if I'm talking to an artist about crypto, like my pitch is gonna be different for each of those audiences. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is that they have this like same rehearsed spiel about what crypto is, what Web3 is. And quite frankly, like that's not gonna work for the majority of people because they're not coming from the thought process and the background that you're coming from. So the cool thing about crypto is that there really is something in crypto for everybody nowadays, whether you're a history buff, an artist, an economist, whatever your background is, really there's something interesting here. So if you take the time to learn all of those things, then you'll really know how to talk to any normie out there, no matter what background they come from. I think that's a really good point, And I don't think about that enough. But the truth is, and I think it was maybe Balaji was the first person to say this, but like every company is going to be a crypto company, or maybe he said Bitcoin company as a while ago. And what he's just trying to illustrate is if every application is going to have crypto payments embedded in it or have NFTs embedded, that means that literally everything is going to be using crypto on the back end. So if you're talking to an artist, then it's talking about owning your digital creations and then selling those. And if you're talking to a developer, then you know you probably go down the Satoshi white paper route and talking about you know the Byzantine general problem and all that kind of stuff. So definitely something to keep in mind. Another thing I wanted to bring up, I think you've done a great job here, is actually women in blockchain. And I think you've done a great job highlighting getting more women into the space, leading by example here and helping people feel more comfortable getting in here. And the tech industry in general, you know, it's male dominated. Computer science majors are you know majority male and then crypto is even more that way. So it's coming into this industry and really breaking down the barriers. I know a lot of people in crypto are trying to be very inclusive to get everyone in. As a wide experience, what has it been like being a woman in blockchain and helping to bring other people in? Tell us about you know those groups where people can maybe reach out and get involved if they're interested in learning more. And just give us you know some ideas on tools on how we can help make crypto more inclusive. You know, I started my career as a lawyer. It's a very male-dominated space, so I'm used to working with mostly men in my jobs, like from, you know, the beginning of my career. So it wasn't too new to me. That part wasn't new or intimidating very much to me. But I will say that I think I came in at a good time. What I mean by that is I think people who got into the space back in 2017, 2018, or even earlier than that, I think it would have been a lot harder for women to get in back then than in 2021 when I got in. I think there's a lot more women in the space now. And I think what I found is that women in the space are really willing to help other women in the space because there aren't so many of us yet. I found all the women in the space to be super supportive. There's just that like instant bonds like, oh, we're like all minorities in this space. And I, I also just want to say that it's not just about lifting up women in the space. I think it's also about minorities, like of any kind, BIPOC, like any kind of minority. And I, I think it's super important that we have diversity in crypto right now, because if you think about what we're doing here, like in the long term, we're building out Web3, we're building out the future of the web, the future of how we all interact and live day to day. Imagine if this future of life is built out by one homogenous group of people. How scary is that? We really want to build out something that's going to benefit everybody. We need all voices at the boardroom, all voices represented, all perspectives represented. If we don't have that diversity, I think it 
can just become a very dangerous thing that we're building out. I think diversity is super important, not just with women, with non-binary individuals, with you know racial minorities, with people from different countries around the world in different cultures. We need to hear their voices too. We're just not going to build out a good product without having the diversity. Also, I think most people who are in crypto realize this, but crypto is global, like by default, like you don't have any choice because it's just anyone who has an internet connection. And some of the most crypto forward countries are like Vietnam, right? You know, where Axie is, the game is at. And then also there's just tremendous growth happening in Africa. Basically the whole place is blowing up there for fintech. And maybe some of these places will also leapfrog. So I'm excited to see the entrepreneurs and uh, the new companies and, and businesses and cultures from those spaces really emerge and get into crypto. And although we do have the origins of crypto basically in the Bay and these typical tech sectors here, because it's so global, I'm actually hopeful that we can get that in sooner. And one of the things that like drives me nuts is these algorithms that they have on these platforms like Facebook, right? And then these credit scoring algorithms, these are like when you build a piece of technology, you know, your technology does have an opinion on these things, even if you don't realize it. And that's where it gets pretty dangerous. So if we can get more of these voices in sooner, and I'm super happy and super privileged to be in the United States. I mean, my life was very easy because I won the geography lottery, right? Being here. And I think the U.S. is a great place to be. And we export a lot of good but we gotta you know if we want to build a digital commons where everyone's going to be on here i want that also to be as good in fact i think we should elevate it and try to do even better than we're doing in the u.s here and we have an opportunity to do that so i'm pretty excited about seeing that happen i'm happy to see people like you speak out about these issues and try to get pe more people involved in this space because we will miss out if we don't have everybody and the metaverse party is going to be a lot better with everybody than with just a few group of people and i find that some of my best experiences are when i interact with people who have different opinions than mine and, and sometimes that's negative and sometimes it's positive but either way i always come away learning a little bit more i wanted to pull back for a little bit we actually have questions coming in from twitter so Thank you everyone on Twitter for submitting. So this one is from Dutt, I'll start with him. And he's just asking, how do you manage your podcast schedule and keep up with the regular uploads? I'm looking forward to this one. I'm also looking forward to this. How do you do it, Diana? You have the energy of five people. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think it's like with anything else, once you get in a habit of doing stuff, you kind of just do it, you go and you do it. And in the beginning for me, I think the journey has been like very different at different stages. So in the beginning, you know, hosting a, a crypto podcast when you don't know anything about crypto is a pretty big challenge. In the earlier months, I would be sitting on these podcasts, you would be there too, Matt, to help me out. And I'd be totally clueless and like, totally dependent on you to lead the conversation. And this is even after doing days of research on the guests. Like if I have to interview a guest, I have to learn what their company is. In order to do that, I have to learn what the underlying concept is. Like what is DeFi? I didn't even know what DeFi was at the time. So yeah, it was like days of research that went into one interview. Now, for the most part, you know, depending on the topic, you know, if it's like an NFT, depending on who the guest is, I could just like show up. <laughs> Economies of scale. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I still like doing prep. And I always like to go back and listen to other podcasts that the guest has been on just to see if there's like any interesting tidbits to pick up on and stuff like that and the research. But it really is like very enjoyable for me too. So how do I produce so much content? It's really enjoyable. I love learning. I have so many questions all the time. Like, it's not hard for me to come up with questions. I basically just get to sit around and ask really smart people all the questions I want. 
as part of my job. So it's pretty sweet. I couldn't have asked for a better gig, you know, to like get into crypto and learn super fast. So there you go. Be curious with lots of questions, right? And then have a lot of energy. And then the other trick is, sounds like if you put the work in front-loaded, it pays off, right? Because when you started doing this, it was like two days of research for one 30-minute episode. And now it's 30 minutes of research for two days worth of recordings, right? So like that flips on its head. There are learning economies of scale of getting into crypto and it only takes six, eight months and you, and you become an expert. Diana knows more about DAOs and some of these NFT projects than I do now because she's out there every day and it's pretty exciting. All right, next one. Any advice for people looking to make the transition to Web3? And I'm actually going to give my answer to this as well, but I'll let you go first. Just do it. <laughs> it's as easy as that. Just do it. That was exactly my same answer. So I actually had friends when I moved out to San Francisco. They're like, how do I get into tech? I'm like, move to San Francisco. And that used to be what you did. If you just moved to San Francisco and applied for tech jobs, you get a tech job. Well, there's great news here about crypto. You don't have to move anywhere, right? You literally just turn on your computer and then download you know, Zoom or any other screen sharing technology and then boom, you can be in. So yeah, just do it. I 100% agree. I live in the mountains in Eastern Washington, like on the border of Washington, and Idaho, like in the middle of nowhere. And I work in crypto, so... Yeah, you can literally live anywhere. Also live in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. So Diana and I have that in common. Next one. So what are one of the things coming up in development that blows your mind? And this is DallasCowboy.x. Thank you for the question. Mind-blowing. That's what we're looking for here, Diana, in space. Gosh, like everything. I feel like I get my mind blown every day by something new that's coming up. Like DAOs, I'm really interested in. I think DAOs are going to like really shift the landscape of how... We work, which, you know, everybody has to work. And so that affects everybody's lives. And I, I think it's going to be super interesting to see how we build out DAO infrastructure. I think there's still so many questions left to be answered. And I think an interesting thing here, too, is that there's so many moving pieces to how do we build up like a DAO infrastructure that works. You have to think about what motivates people to work in the first place? What incentivizes people? Is it just money or are there other things as well? And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, maybe money isn't the sole driver. Like maybe with our parents' generation, it was really money driven. It was whatever job is going to pay me the most is like where I'm going. But I think today, like people value different things. I think people value like quality of life. People value mission and something they're passionate about. It doesn't matter how much you, you know, you pay me a million dollars, but like the team sucks and I'm like very unhappy then it's not going to be enough for me to take the job. So I think that's one element. I think another element is like, how do people work together? Like, how do you organize people to work together? People who come from different backgrounds. And like, I know a lot of this sounds like, you know, the same problems you think about when you start a company and you start hiring a team, and stuff like that. But I think with DAOs, you know, because every member of the DAO is really an owner of the DAO, I think that is a big change that we're seeing from the traditional corporate world, where unless you're a founder or a shareholder in the company, you don't actually own the company. You know, you work there, you get paid, and then you can kind of like bounce whenever. I think in the future, people will be feeling a lot more ownership in their work. I think it's also going to change how people raise their kids in the future. So like in our generation, the way I was raised, it was you go to school, you get good grades so that you can go to a, a good school for college and then get better grades. And then you get a good job. And this is like sort of the trajectory that every parent sends their kids on. I think in the future, there's going to be more emphasis on learning 
skills that you can actually use, no matter what those skills are, it can be art, it can be something creative, like not a traditionally high paying sort of skill. And it, it won't matter because you can really go out there and carve your own path. And I think there's going to be a lot more flexibility there. So I think DAOs are just like, continue to blow my mind every day with like different components of it. And I'm probably most excited to see how DAOs play out in the future. As a follow up, if you could join any DAO, which would it be and why? <laughs> Oh, gosh. There are so many awesome DAOs out there. What are the bougie exclusive DAOs? <laughs> bougie exclusive. I would probably say Pleaser DAO just because I already have so many friends in it and it just seems like a fun place to be. But the good thing is you really can join just about any DAO you want to, like without investing a ton of money or whatever. There's so many DAOs you can join out there. I always point people to Index Co-op as a good entry point if people are not sure where to start. But... Yeah. Cool. So another DAO question. What was it like being in Paperclip DAO? Or are you still a member of Paperclip DAO? Please tell us about that journey. Yeah, I am still a member of Paperclip DAO. So Paperclip DAO formed when Matt Stevenson reached out and was like, hey, we're like working on the super secret DAO. Are you in? And he like listed some of the people that were in it. And I was like, is this real? Did you DM the wrong person? <laughs> I think it's like actually what I said to Matt. So that's how it started. And it, it's basically the red paperclip experiment that the blogger Kyle McDonald did back in 2005, where he traded up a red paperclip all the way until he got a house and it actually worked. Matt Conda, different Matt, so many Matts in the space. He's one of the many Matts on Twitter. He had the idea, like, why not replicate this red paperclip experiment on chain? And so that's what we're doing. We had no idea what to expect. In the original experiment, I think the blogger traded up from a red paperclip to, like, a fish pen to, like, after a few trades, like, a barbecue grill, you know, and, like, slowly, slowly, slowly up to the house. We got a crypto punk on our second trade. <laughs> that escalated a lot faster than we expected, as most things in crypto do. And we're just going to keep going until whatever we get to in the end, we're eyeing an alien punk, but whatever we get to in the end, we'll keep people updated. But you can follow us at PaperclipDAO on Twitter. And then if you have anything awesome you want to trade, go ahead and trade it. If we accept your trade, then you get to join the DAO. And even if we don't accept your trade, we'll still throw you some clip tokens so that you can still, you know, have some sort of like participation in the DAO. Nice. This one is about profile pictures. For those who don't know, a lot of people are buying these NFTs that have pictures on them, like CryptoPunks or the Board Ape Yacht Club, Pudgy Penguins, Cool Cats NFTs. There's a lot. There's a lot out there. So question is, Penguin, is this a short-term fling, Pudgy Penguin, or a long-term commitment on NFT PFEs? We'd love to hear how you feel about your Penguin these days. I think at this point, it's a long-term commitment. Like, I went to New York from Asari Mainnet, and so many people I met in person, like, first thing they said to me was, whoa, you're not a penguin. There were also people like I'd be at dinner with them and like an hour into dinner, they'd be like, I just still can't get over the fact that you're not a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like at this point, I've branded myself as the penguin and there's probably no going back, but we shall see. Perfect. Perfect. And then let's talk a little bit more about DAOs in general. So like, what do you like about them? So you gave us a lot here to resummarize, like what are the things that you like about DAOs? And then do you have a prediction where they're going for the future? The main thing I like about DAOs is just that you can feel the sense of ownership when you're part of a DAO. And when you feel the sense of ownership, it also motivates you to do work for the DAO and to see the DAO succeed. So I think all of this is really healthy in DAOs. 
and also helps DAOs to move in a very agile way and very quickly, which is also the way that I like to work. Where I see it going in the future, I don't see DAOs replacing corporations or anything like that. I think they can coexist side by side. I do think that DAOs are going to continue to increase and it's going to increase competition for traditional corporations that are trying to hire talent for sure. I think traditional corporations are going to find it harder and harder to find top talent because a lot of that top talent is going to want to go to DAOs. A lot of the top talent that I've seen tend to be people that don't love that like hierarchical structure of a traditional company don't really just want to be a pawn in the game and take orders from somebody all day. Like they have ideas, they have initiative, they have ambition, they want to execute. And that's exactly what you can do in a DAO setting is you can take initiative, identify problems on your own, just go out and solve problems, just do it. You don't need to wait for anyone to give you permission or tell you what to do. You can just do it. And then if everybody likes it, great. If not, then they'll veto it and you can move on to the next thing. But that's how it operates. I think DAOs are going to increase competition for hiring talent for traditional corporations. I'm super excited about making it easier for people to work together, like anywhere on the planet. And that's what's awesome about having digital currencies, right? Because you can just pay anyone from anywhere. And then having you know, smart contract platforms so you can like put your money together in a group and then have rewards or things like that in order to pay people out. It makes things cheaper, right? It's a lot cheaper to deploy a smart contract than it is to go form a corporation in Delaware. That's really the innovation we need to see. And we'll see some of the structures come around that. Anyway, super interesting. So what's the thing that you would like to see crypto fix? So what's a broken thing in crypto that you know makes you a little bit upset? A call to action that you would want to see people correct? I, mean, I think there are a lot of things that are broken as well. I, I would say like on the people front, I still see a lot of people out there pumping their bags and they think crypto is all about just like checking what's Bitcoin at today, what's ETH at today, that traditional like trading mindset of like how people used to get into the space, you know, years ago. I would like to see some of that shift towards people who are focused on building for the long term and who actually see the long term like mission and vision of what we're trying to do here. I think that would be great. Within that group of people, though, that of people who are building for the future, I think one problem I see there is that I hear a lot of groupthink just on crypto Twitter, at least like you see people saying the same things over and over again. And you don't see a lot of like disagreement or hot takes or anything like that. I would I would love to just see it be more normal for people to express different views and have that be OK. And I'd love to see more like thought leaders in the space who do hold different views on how we should build out the future and have more conversations like that. More debates, less groupthink. Got it. Okay. We'll put that out to the world. Hopefully we'll get some responses. So last one here for you, I have to ask is, I saw on Twitter that you got a tattoo of ERC721. So I have to ask, is this real? Was that a permanent tattoo? Did that really happen? Or was that just a Twitter prank? Yes, it really happened. And I have witnesses who can attest to this. So this all started like a week before Masari Maynet happened in New York. I saw, I think Andrew Wayne tweeted a photo of somebody with an ERC721 tat. And I just tagged a few people that I knew would be in New York and was like, who wants to get tats in New York, you know, ERC721 tats as like a joke. But it caught on, like people took it seriously and people held me accountable to it. And so before I knew it, we were all in New York during Maynet and we were all at a tattoo shop in Brooklyn getting these ERC-721 tats, probably very much confusing the tattoo shop workers and the tattoo artists about like, what is this cult that is forming around these numbers and letters? 
But like fun story about that is we actually were able to get our tattoo artist, Gustavo, shout out Gustavo from Three Kings in Brooklyn. We got him crypto pilled. So we like got him set up with a wallet. We got him set up on OpenSea. We taught him what NFTs are. One of the many mats who has the chip in his hand let Gustavo scan his hand to get his very first NFT and all of the stuff. And we're still in touch with him and we're trying to help him and other tattoo artists now be able to turn their art into NFTs and make money that way and grow their careers that way. Diana, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. And thanks again for helping us bootstrap Unstoppable Podcast, you know, from zero to 100, literally. And it has been a pleasure having you here. Again, to everyone listening at home, we are hiring. And if you are interested in getting into the uh, podcast space, please reach out to unsoveldomains.com and you can find the jobs board there. And if you want to learn more about crypto, dive deep into the space, you're comfortable getting, being in front of a camera or behind a mic, we'd love to have you on the team. So Diana, thank you so much for joining. It has been a pleasure. And I wish you the best of luck on your next steps in your crypto journey. Thank you so much, Matt. And I have to say, you know, I appreciate everything. Like I would not be here without you. So I will always remember you as the OG that got me crypto pilled and will always be thankful to you for that. I'm also happy to like take any questions for anybody has about my experience, you know, it, as a podcast host at Unstoppable Domains, if they're thinking about it, but has any questions. So feel free to DM me and I'm happy to chat with anyone as well. All right. Thank you, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.